Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Obligation to obey. The biblical concept of obedience is this. A submission to comply to what is heard. A submission to comply to what is heard. This is an appropriate response to a high authority. That being said, every Christian, everyone who's confessed Jesus as Savior, is obligated to obedience to him and the word. In the New Testament, it may be interesting that the word obedience is virtually something that grows out of believer's faith. The more faith you have, the more you're going to believe God's word. It is an inward submission, not an outward conformity. Now, what is meant by that? Sometimes we, we do things because we want other people to see us conforming to a certain standards of rules. But what about your heart? What about your thoughts? What are the type of things you're thinking? See, an inward submission has you be obedient to things that people can't see. See, all the time, people think y'all more than what y'all are. But see, in your heart and in your mind, are you obedient? See, you don't have to say something negative about your neighbor verbally, but you can show think it in your heart. I know some of you right now wish I'd just hurry on up and get done with it so you can do what you got to do. The Old Testament definition of Obedience is unique. It simply means to hear. It's an expectation of that which one hears, that one will do. The Old Testament word makes no distinction between hearing and doing. Therefore, in the Old Testament, this word disobedience it literally means rebellion or to rebel. Now in our text, we're going to see one of the most blatant examples of disobedience recorded in the Bible. King Saul was commanded to go and destroy the Amalekites. Now who are the Amalekites? They're the nation that mercifully, or mercifully lists, I should say, ambushed God's people when they were vulnerable coming out of Egypt didn't know anything about war. They were slaves just being free on their way to the promised land. Instead of helping them, the Amalekites killed the stragglers, took what little they had. So God, in his divine wisdom, had promised that he was going to deal with the Amalekites. And this was calling, called a harem. Now, Haram is different from that of Jihad. Jihad is a holy war from the Arab side. Haram is a holy war from God's side. It is holy vengeance. When he said, vengeance is mine, said, Lord, this is it. It was something that was practiced only against people who came under God's most severest judgment. 
and Saul. The first king of Israel was given the privilege of being God's vessels of divine retribution. But this special privilege, this special opportunity came with a special responsibility. Obedience. But the king fell short of the holy requirements. It's amazing because the commandments were very clear. Everything that breathed, everything that breathed, kids, animals, everything that breathed was supposed to be destroyed and dedicated to God. All the Amalekites, all their own, they own was supposed to have been blotted out. And sometimes when I look at this, I think about this. I know what's going on in people's minds because I had that same concept. God, why would you destroy everything? Those people had nothing to do. I mean, it's 40 years in the wilderness they spent some other time. This is a new generation. They didn't have nothing to do, especially the little babies, Lord. Everything. If you remember in the commentary, I said that God don't owe us no expectation about what he, don't owe us any explanation, I should say, about what he tell us to do. But we as humanity, we have this thing, we want to wrestle against God. The question is, do we believe that he is God? So as we examine this text, portions of it, Let's allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and reveal to us any attitude that we may have inwardly that could lead to us not fulfilling the obligation we have to God to be obedient and let it convict us to change. We're going to start our text in 1 Samuel 15 verse 7. Those of you that have your Bibles and wish to go along, 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 7. Most of it I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and I'll change the New King James Version. Verse 7 says this. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. This defeat of the Amalekite was very impressive. It was a victory among victories for Saul and the nation of Israel. From Havelock to Shur covers the entire geographical region from top to bottom. Verse 9 said, But Saul and the people spared a God. What? What? And the best of the sheep and the oxen and of all the fatted calf and lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them 
all that displeased them and was worthless, they devoted to destruction. What Saul and the people did was take honor that belonged to God and placed it upon themselves. Agag and the best of the animals were spoils or prize of war. But this was a holy war for the Holy One. And only the Holy One was due honor. It was due to God and God alone. But they took the victory for themselves. The sad part about this is that Saul thought what he did was no big deal. He heard the instruction. But he did not sense the obligation to obey them exactly like he heard him. I remember when I was being raised up and there were some specific details from my mama, my grandma, my daddy. They would say, now what did I say? They wanted me to understand exactly what was saying. So if I messed up, I had no excuse. In this case, Saul didn't realize. And I blame him more than I do the people because he was the king. That partial or incomplete obedience is disobedience. I know it ain't you, Sonny, but can I say something? I, 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 I remember my wife and I talking about our childhood often. When mama tell you something, you're going to do it because you fear the beat down. But your mama under your breath, don't you? I'd be glad when I'm grown. You hear me, boy? Yes, ma'am. Oh, mean person. When the Bible clearly tells us to honor our father and mother, see, see, that's not honoring. Obeying and honoring is two different things. That's not honoring. And we fail to recognize until they're gone. And then when they die, we want to come here and make a big show. Oh, mama. This was incomplete compliance of God's divine command. This prompted the Lord to give a new message to his prophet, Samuel. So Saul done messed up. Won't you go down there and won't you talk to him? So Samuel is grieved because he loved this young man. He seen grow into a king from someone who didn't want the kingship to one now who is totally disobedient. So he goes down to Carmel to confront Saul. But Saul is not there. He's not where he's supposed to be. Now I want to give you three factors that led to this blatant disobedient act. And I want you to search yourself again. Pray to the Holy Spirit and say, is that me? The first factor that led to disobedience is pride. P-R-I-D-E, pride. Verse 15, excuse me, chapter 15, verse 12 said this. 
And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he has set up a monument for himself and turned and passed and went down to Gilgal. Let me give you a little history about wars at that time. When a king was defeated, it was an honor for the victor or the victorious king to parade the king down the street all over the land. If he really disliked the person, he would strip him naked, put a rope around his neck, and parade him down the street. He was really foul. He would sometimes put that rope around the king's gentles and parade him down the street. So Saul decided, not going to kill him. I'm going to follow the normal protocol for a victor. But Saul also showed his pride by having a monument erected to himself. This was like a trophy that's presented to an athlete who's won a contest. Some historians believe that this monument was a replica of Saul's right hand, made of gold. Now, normal protocol for victory of God folk was to build an altar unto God. But Saul makes a monument unto himself. Watch out, preachers. God bless you to have a great message. And you can have false pride with it as well. If he didn't give you the ability to breathe or to speak, you couldn't say a word. So all honor belong to him. Don't be a monument unto yourself. That replica represents Paul's, excuse me, Saul's strength and Saul's power. His pride had overridden his obligation to be obedient. The second factor that leads to disobedience, disobedience is lust. And you have to look hard to find this, but I want you to follow along with me in verses 13 through 15. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be the Lord to you. Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ear and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Verse 15 said, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen and sacrificed to sacrifice them unto the Lord. And the rest. Now rest ain't all. The rest we have devoted to destruction. 
Notice he said the people, then he said we. How's this lust? But they saw and the people saw. They looked and saw what was good. It was lust of the eyes. They saved the best and destroyed the rest, but it was not what God commanded them to do. Hold that thought because there's more to that story than that because not only will pride lead you to disobedience, lust leads you to disobedience, but also selfishness. And this follows a pattern. So the third factor of disobedience is selfishness. Verse 19, we won't skip down some. Verse 19. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce upon the spoil and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought back Ahab, the king of Amalite, and have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. And then he cops out verse 21. But the people took the spoil and the sheep and the best of things devoted to destruction to sacrifice unto the Lord, your God. Don't miss that. Your God, the Gilgad. <laughs> now, personally, from what I know about studying a saw, I think this is a cop out. He's blaming the people, but remember, he's the king. He could have told them to destroy everything, but he, he's caught. Right now, he's confronted by the man of God, so he's not untruthful. Now, I can't back that up with scripture, but that's just what I believe. I don't believe it had anything to do with the people. I believe it was something that was in his heart. Now, it was true that when you won a victory, sacrifice was in order after the victory. The sacrifice was a form of worship. But I want you to catch this. Now, this is the idea behind the selfishness. But sacrificing the animals of the Amalekites was not a sacrifice. They kept their own while giving the animals of the Amalekites to God. Y'all got that? They can keep their own livestock while they sacrifice the livestock of Melchite. I don't think that's what happened. I think what they did, the Malachite livestock was so good, they put the Malachite livestock in their pens and took all the bad stuff that they had and wanted to give that to the Lord. I want you to notice one thing in the scripture. There's never a sacrifice made. It's never made. So they kept theirs and the Malachites. In Saul's mind, like I have done a lot of times, he thought he had good reason for doing it his way. 
He believed that he was honoring God and worshiping God in ways that would be pleasing to God. However, he discovered that to be obedient, to be obedient, pleases God more than any acts of worship that he could develop on his own. God viewed Saul's man-made worship practice as rebellion. Verse 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and listening than to the fat of rams. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of deviation or witchcraft. And presumption is the iniquity of idolatry. I'm going to stop right there. This word presumption, sometimes we presume certain things about worship. We presume this is the way it should be. We make presumptions about stuff that we don't know. And we ain't looked at Psalm 95 or any other scripture that has something to do with worship. We just do it because we've been taught. Somebody told us and we bought into it. And I want you to think about this. The sacrificial system was designed because people sin. Sacrifice does cover disobedience, but it's never an excuse for disobedience. I'm going to say that again. Sacrifice does cover disobedience. But it's never an excuse for disobedience. To those of you that take notes, I want you to write this down. I hope I can impress this upon some of y'all minds. What Saul did was not a misinterpretation of God's command. What Saul did was reinterpret the commandments of God. He became his own theologian. And he said, this is what God meant. Yet the commandment was clear. And we have that going on today. People up in high office, you might hear a little bit more about this next Sunday. Who make laws in the name of the Supreme Court. You don't even have to go that high. Ecclesiastic circle. Who make laws. Say, God didn't mean that. It's not to be taken literal. So we need to be careful when we misinterpret, but more careful when we reinterpret God's command. Saul made a decision to do what he felt was best rather than what God told him to do. In fact, the whole nation of Israel got in trouble. He wouldn't even be in this situation if when they came out of the wilderness they had done what God told them to do destroy everything in the promised land kill them all but they reinterpret God's command and let some stay alive that's why we're having the problem we're having right now with the radical Arab world because of disobedience only strict obedience to the Lord's instruction was acceptable. Anything less than that was considered rebellion. Join me at verse 24. 
Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord your God because I feared the people, okay, and obeyed their voice. Again, I said, who's king? Now, I'll stop right there and just tell you something because I've been noticing this and I see this. A long time in the family today, I'm wondering, who's the daddy? These kids got daddies doing stuff. Who's the daddy? The kid? I mean, I was told when I heard the word no, that was for me not to do something. But now we got kids telling dad, you said do this, no. And we laugh at it. Move on, Dave. Then Samuel said, so I have sinned for I transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your word because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. What's wrong with this? Now, therefore, pardon my sin. Who are you asking to pardon your sin? It appears he's asking Samuel to forgive him for disobeying you. Never once did he address God himself. Maybe he knew he couldn't because Saul's transgression caused rejection. He made a show of repentance and a plea to Samuel would not abandon him, but the genuineness of Saul feared the people and desired to worship, that's debatable. Personally, I just think he's copping out. Come with me, he said, let me go and worship. I want you to catch this now. At first, Samuel denied his request, but Saul was persistent. As Samuel began to turn away, Saul grabbed his robe and towed it. Samuel told him this is a sign that the kingdom would be torn away from you and I'm on, God's going to give it to a man after his own heart. But even after tearing his robe and hearing this, Saul continued to insist, to insist he was motivated by these three things. Pride, lust, and disobedience. And I want you to see if you can catch these in this verse. Verse 30, chapter 15. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. Please, before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. This ain't about God. This is about me looking good in front of my people. His pride is still there. He's lusting after honor. And he is selfish. Saul remained king for 15 years after this date. But during those 15 years, 
he went through all kinds of trouble. Possessed by evil spirit, had all kinds of anxiety, developed a spirit of envy. His pride, his lust, his selfishness consumed him. Good story, Pastor. Old Testament. What are we going to do with this thing today? But these three reasons, pride, lust, and selfishness going to cause a lot of people to spend eternity apart from God because they all come from a spirit of unbelief. It's going to cause some Christian to go through hell on earth because it's still coming from a spirit of unbelief. Can you trust God in your most desperate situation? All the things that you've heard in church, you know about the Bible, then you confront it with a situation that knocks you to your knees. You'll find out how prideful you are, what you lust after, and you find out it's all about me. So, set before us is a communion table. God sent his son to die for the sins of all humanity. And Jesus himself said that there is no other way to eternal life except through him. If you try to go in the way, you are disobedient. Yet because of pride, many will not receive him as Savior. Because of lust, many will burn in hell forever. And because of selfishness, somebody that needs to surrender today won't. And that's a fact. That's why I don't beg doing the invitation. You won't do it. Because of selfishness. Let me give you some good news. That was all before Jesus. <laughs> because if disobedience will condemn us to be rejected by God, everybody in here will be rejected. And our Lord and Savior knew that. So he went to the Christ cross. But he left these words on record. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. And many will go that way. And now is the way that leads to eternal life. And few is going to follow that road. So my question to you today is, are you going to be that few? Because Jesus is issuing a call. To each of us today. For those that are unsaved, it is in your call of salvation. Luke 5 and 32 said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you reject that call today, you are being disobedient.
He's also calling you that are professing salvation. What are you doing for the Lord? He's got some Amalekites out there. He wants you to go and destroy utterly. And in some cases, we worship Saul. Saul did go out and do half of it. We won't do nothing. But again, if we prepare our hearts for a communion, some of us need to be so grateful for grace. So grateful for grace. Wide is that way. Narrow is the way the leaders to eternal life. God is calling you. And I want to know if you will answer the call this morning. I'm done for the day in this portion. We're going to soon be preparing to participate in the Lord's Supper. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And even though these warriors of the word is going to come and stand before me right now, they're not the only ones in here that can give you a word that will lead to eternal life. But that's your choice. The prophet in me won't let me beg you. I'll leave that for the evangelism team. Evangelism team, you hear, you tell Ronald when he gets back, y'all wear y'all badges on Sunday and be prepared to witness to anybody that wants to be saved. Because for 25 years, I've stood here and did this time and time again. And if they're ashamed to walk on now, Regardless of what the word of God says, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. Maybe they'll talk to you or a deacon or an usher or somebody. But you need to talk to somebody. Don't get up there and stand before God. Say, I went to church on the 6th of August, the 10 o'clock service. And he said, I never knew you. If you're here. The invitation to extend it for you to come. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.